0: Okay, here's the deal. This show will not be about Shohei Ohtani. But it is about the Dodgers. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Lockdown MLB, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the Daily Podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, look, I got a lower third where I'm called Sully. I'm an Emmy nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for well over a decade now, and I'm about to start my sixth season here as a host on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter or whatever it's called now. At Locked On MLB Pod, same handle for Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. Look at down there. Follow me at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Also subscribe to us on YouTube and make us your first listen. And for those of you who listen to us every single day and you got to post on social media, why don't you use that wonderful hashtag, which is Everyday Sully? So I get to know who's following the show every single day. It's more fun that way. And uh, by the way, for those of you who are keeping score at home, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. That's my dog is barking in the background. My dog is upset that we've been focusing so much on Shohei Ohtani that she thinks this show should be called Locked On Ohtani. But we'll be covering something else. But first, let's check out yesterday's trivia question. The trivia question was, what is the only time that both Cy Young Award winners were teammates the year after they won the Cy Young Award? That would happen if the Yankees signed Blake Snell, the reigning A.L. Cy Award winner is Garrett Cole. He'd be teammates with like Snell. Has it ever happened before? Yes, and John Murphy Jr. got it right. He said the trivia question, he said this was a hard one, in 1980. I'm sorry, 1990. We're going to be, I said 1980 because uh, we're going to be talk a little bit about 1980 a little bit later on. In 1990, the Kansas City Royals had Brett Saberhagen, the 1989 uh, American League Cy Young Award winner, and they signed Mark Davis, who I'm guessing you didn't know won the Cy Young Award as the closer of the Padres. I got to take care of my dog. I'm back. I had to let my dog out. Uh, But that's right. Uh, Mark Davis won the Cy Young Award as a closer for the 1989 uh, San Diego Padres. He was a free agent, and he signed. This is back when the Royals were aggressive in the free agent market. He signed with the uh, Royals so that he was teammates with Brett Saber again. It didn't work out. Mark Davis actually bombed pretty badly as a member of the Kansas City Royals, but there you go. That was the one time that happened. So good job, John Murphy Jr. And good job for my dog, Eleanor, for barking like crazy. Hey, um, we have a... Los Angeles Dodgers piece of news that has very little to do with Shohei Ohtani. Now the deferment of the money that Ohtani had for the last few you know bunch of years has allowed them to address what is still their major problem. Their major problem is they have razor thin pitching. Their starting pitching staff is is absolutely decimated. They don't have length and quite frankly there's so many injuries on there that they're almost going to have to bank on Clayton Kershaw coming back even though his career might be over. So they pulled off a big trade and one of the big trades, one of the big uh potential trade chips out there was Tyler Glasnow of the Tampa Bay Rays. And today after a lot of, you know, it was rumored for a while uh the the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Tampa Bay Rays pulled off a deal and it involved pitcher Tyler Glass now and outfielder Manuel Margot plus some money are heading to LA and Ryan Pepio and Johnny uh, outfielder Johnny DeLuca are coming to Tampa. Now, look at, by the way, everyone in Australia, I said, look at, so go ahead and take a shot. I am... Anytime Tampa Bay makes a deal, I always feel like they're probably swindling you. If if I was running a front office, and I'm in my office, and my assistant comes as uh, Mr. Sullivan, yes? Uh, the general manager of the Tampa Bay Rays on the phone, he wants to make a deal. Hang up. Hang up. They're going to pull something off here. And... I, I, this feels a little bit like that for me. I feel like the Dodgers. I'm going to say it. I think the Dodgers may be swindled. I think a little swindling may have been going on here. Not that Tyler Glasnow is not a fine pitcher. He is by 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 every metric. He's he is a, he's a fine, very talented pitcher. Uh, you know, a former uh, member of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, He came up, he said something, he's had some fine seasons. He's also missed huge chunks of games as a pitcher over the years. When he's healthy, he's, he's fantastic. When he was healthy this year, he was an ace when he was healthy in 2020 in the COVID year, when he was healthy in 2019, when the Rays were a playoff team. Yeah. Every time he's healthy, he's fantastic. He has a real hard time staying healthy. He was on the sixty-day DL in twenty nineteen. He was in the sixty. 60- he made three starts in twenty twenty-two. One of them was in the playoffs. Now he was terrific in the three starts, but the fact of the matter is, the guy doesn't stay healthy, and he's on the wrong side of thirty. Okay, now. As a 51-year-old man, it makes me roll my eyes that we have to say someone's uh, treating someone who's 30 like an octogenarian. But do you know what doesn't happen to pitchers with injury issues once they get into their 30s? They don't suddenly get healthy again. We're testing for stuff now. And I think the thing that the Dodgers need more than anything is a pitcher who they're pretty sure is going to give them 30 starts. And near, if not 200 innings, at least 180 innings. Last year, Tyler Glasnow made 21 starts. That was the highest number of starts he's ever had in his career. In a single season, he threw 120 innings, which is the most innings he's ever thrown in his career. And again, when he's going to pitch, he's going to be terrific. But there's so many injury issues on this team, whether it's May, whether it's Bueller, But again, all terrific pitchers, talented pitchers. But my goodness, they're bringing in another potentially injury-prone pitcher to the team. And what did it cost them? It cost them Ryan Pepio. Now, Ryan Pepio had injury issues uh, of his own last year. But when he was healthy and and there's no reason to think he's not going to be ready for the season, he's younger. He's made some adjustments when he pitched, he pitched very, very well in 2023. And I felt he was one of the keys to, for Los Angeles to have a good year In that they were going to give him the ball. Instead, they've traded him away again Glasnow could wind up having a terrific year. It could be one of the situations. I had the same reservations. Meanwhile, remember about Nathan Yavaldi. And I didn't think that the Rangers were that close to a title. And I thought Yavaldi was, and I thought DeGrom, uh, I thought they were too injury prone for the Rangers. Now, I turned out to be right with DeGrom, and I turned out not to be right with Yavaldi. And I'll happily eat Crow. And by the way, um, me making this observation is not me hating on the Dodgers. I'd like to see the Dodgers do well because I live in Los Angeles County. Not that I'm a Dodger fan, but it's more fun to interact with people at my job and in real life in LA County when the Dodgers are doing well and going deep in the postseason. Okay. And it would, when you say, Hey, What do the Dodgers need? They need healthy starting pitchers. They need inning eaters. They need people who are going to give them five, six, seven innings a start. And you trade a potentially terrific pitcher to Tampa, and you get back a very talented but very injury-prone pitcher, I don't feel like you've solved an issue there. Plus, they threw in DeLuca, who – it's a really talented young outfielder with power and speed and it just feels like man we're going to see Tampa Bay get to the postseason again and Ryan Pepio and Johnny DeLuca are going to be big factors and the Dodgers are going to be scrambling for starting pitching when Tyler Glasnow goes down. I don't want that to happen. I think that will Much like last year, I didn't want Jacob DeGrom to get hurt, but I said he was going to. And Ranger fans were throwing tomatoes at me, and I was right. I was wrong when I said the Rangers weren't ready to be a contender yet. Obviously, they won the GD World Series. But there's something about this trade that makes me feel like the Dodgers didn't solve their problem. That is not me hating on the Dodgers. That is not me saying, oh, way to go. They're bad for baseball. No. I want to see them go far. I want to see them do well. And I'd like to have the moniker of, well, they only won one. It was the COVID year removed from them. That being said, I will be stunned if they get 30 starts out of Tyler Glasnow. Tyler Glasnow has started 30 games in the major leagues as often as I have. And you're gonna need him to be healthy all year. That's the point. I would rather they get a bunch of number three starters who are okay, who give them six, seven innings a start, than acquire, you know, acquire with very valuable trade chips. Pitchers who probably aren't going to stay healthy. If I'm wrong, I will eat crow. I ate crow about Nathan Uvalde. I did not eat crow about Jacob DeGrom. This makes me nervous. The Dodgers need innings eaters, and that's not what you're getting out of Tyler Glasnow. And it just cost him Ryan Pepio. Hey, let's talk a little bit about FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book and a partner of the National Football League. Now, look at right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets if they play any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the National Football League. All right, it is Friday, and it is time to do our What If Friday segment for the week. How could baseball's history be different if one or two things well unfolded in a slightly different manner. And today it's going to be kind of a sad one because it involves how one of a one of the best potential careers cut short. A hall of fame trajectory ended. And with it the history of two franchises could have been vastly different if a horrible health situation did not befall J. R. richard for those of you who don't know who james rodney richard was well i'll tell you he was a first round draft pick out of louisiana by the houston astros and he essentially had a chance to be the next sandy koufax i know a lot of people made the comparison between J.R. Richard and Bob Gibson. But that was just lazy because both were African-American men and tall and imposing. But his trajectory was closer to Sandy Koufax. Koufax was an unbelievably talented pitcher for the Dodgers, but was he could strike out tons of batters, but was way too wild. Until eventually a catcher named Norm Sherry told him, just don't throw so hard. Pitch and he, became, he had the greatest peak of any pitcher of his generation. Likewise, J.R. Richard emerged as a pitcher for the Houston Astros in the mid-1970s. He was a tremendous strikeout artist almost right away, but he constantly led the league in walks. He led the league in strikeouts and walks in 1978, and he became an innings eater. He became a 20-game winner back when that meant something. But things started turning around between 78 and 79. He struck out 303 batters in 78, but walked 141, leading the league in both categories. But in 79, he led the league in ERA. He led the league in strikeouts. And he cut his walks from 141 to 98. He was becoming an incredibly dominant pitcher. And at that point finished in the top 10 of the Cy Young Award, three out of four seasons. And then came 1980, where he was having his single most dominant season ever, where he was the starting pitcher in the all-star game. And his first 17 starts, he struck out 119 batters at 113 and two thirds innings with a sub two ERA. Also, he was a dominant strikeout artist pitching for the Astros a team that was never relevant until 1979 when suddenly they became contenders they didn't win the division that year they lost to Cincinnati but in the offseason the Astros made a huge acquisition they turned Nolan Ryan the greatest strikeout artist of the American League the first hundred, the first million dollar a year man and teamed the American League's best strikeout artist with the National League's best strikeout artist and the most devastating one-two punch you could possibly imagine. And with that, the Astros got involved in a dogfight with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And J.R. Richard was leading the way. At the halfway point in an all-star game that took place in L.A., he was far and away the front runner to be the National League Cy Young Award winner. And then it happened. He was complaining about arm soreness. He was complaining about arm tiredness. And the press in Houston was basically making him out to be a little bit of a hypochondriac and not really believing that he was as hurt as he was. And then, while in the outfield, in between starts, he suffered a massive stroke. One that almost killed him. And he went in. It was a blockage in his uh, right cartilage artery. I don't know. How to, I mean, I have the notes in front of me here. Um, a CAT scan showed that he had experienced several strokes beforehand, probably some of the feeling, the numb feeling he was having in his arm. It may have been able to be prevented if he had those CAT scans done earlier instead it nearly killed him he never pitched in the major leagues again he never pitched in the major leagues again and made it attempt at a comeback it didn't work his life really fell apart for a period of time he was homeless at one point and eventually he got help he became a minister he turned his life back around and after way, way overdue, his number was retired and was became a member of the Astros Hall of Fame. But what happened that year, beyond just the fact that he could have had a, a Hall of Fame career and be one-on-one with Nolan Ryan and the strikeout record, the Astros did indeed make the postseason that year. And the 1980 National League Championship Series I would argue, was, say it with me, the greatest postseason series in the history of baseball. It was an unbelievable clash between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Houston Astros. The Astros had to play a one-game playoff against the LA Dodgers to win the division. Game one was a 3-1 to final where Steve Carlton won the game, and that was the least dramatic game of the series. The last four games all went extra innings. There was a walk-off, walk-off game in game three and in games four and five. In both of those games, the Astros were one swing away from going to the World Series. And in both times, the potential... Pennant winning run was left on base and the Phillies rallied in extra innings in both the 10th in game four and the 10th in game five. Now, what would have happened in a series as razor thin as that if the Astros could just insert into the lineup a Hall of Fame caliber pitcher? That is the great what if. That I'm going to take a little closer look at what if J.R. Richard had pitched in that series. Now, the Houston Astros in 1980 had an incredibly deep starting rotation. Obviously, you have Nolan Ryan, Hall of Famer. You also had J.R. Richard, who was on the trajectory of the Hall of Fame. You also had Ken Forsh, Joe Necro, and Vern Rule. All three of them were excellent pitchers. Joe Necro, the brother of Hall of Famer uh, Phil Necro, finished fourth in the Cy Young ballot that year. Ken Forsh, the brother of uh, Cardinals uh, All-Star Bob Forsh, had been an All-Star several times before. And Vern Rule was someone who had pitched 159 innings and was a good, solid uh, not quite an all-star caliber pitcher, but a good solid pitcher who had a ERA of 2.37. So it wasn't as if they, the loss of J.R. Richard meant they had a bad rotation, but it did mean they had to start Vern Rule, again, a fine pitcher, instead of J.R. Richard, a Hall of Famer. And it was a bounce here or there, or maybe being able to use Vern Rule out of the bullpen instead of, the joe Sambitos, frank lacorts uh, and dave smiths of the world no offense to them but the fact of the matter is the phillies held off with their you know with their pitching staff the astros had a 3.49 era the the phillies had a 3.2 era again razor thin left and right and I think it's safe to say inserting a Hall of Famer into that rotation may have been the difference. May have been the difference. If it had happened, the Houston Astros would have gone to the World Series instead of the Philadelphia Phillies. The Houston Astros would have had Nolan Ryan, the signing of Nolan Ryan would have paid instant dividends of... A million dollar contract, leading a team that had at that point never been to the World Series, to that championship would have been the crowning moment of Jr. Richard's career. If they had gone to the World Series, that he would have led them to that great promised land. It also would have increased the uh, the cachet of Cesar Cedeno. Cesar Cedeno was a four-time all-star and gold glover and superstar for the Houston Astros for all those years, had great power, had great speed, was a terrific all-round player, gold glove player. And if he had led the Astros to the World Series that year, his Hall of Fame argument would have been a little more intriguing people would have looked at him as one of the great dominating players of the 70s with a pennant on his head it also would have increased the cachet of joe morgan who did have a poor uh, NLCS that year but was looked upon as as if he was in the back nine of his career in his final year with cincinnati in 79 he ended up with the astros the team he began with and helped take them to the national League championship series a year where he actually led the league in walks. And both teams, both the Phillies and the Astros, had a key member of those big red machine teams in the middle of their lineup. The Phillies had Pete Rose. The Astros had Joe Morgan. This would have raised the level of Morgan, the two-time MVP and the guy who got the game-winning hit, in the 1975 World Series, maybe a little bit over Rose. The fact that Rose was such a big part of that team and part of that championship helped raise his standing as a World Series winner. There's a couple other little factors about this. You would have had the Astros in the World Series, the Astros of the Astrodome, the Astros of the National League, the Astros with those wild orange uniforms. I loved those Astros. I don't like the old-fashioned ballpark they have now or the less interesting uniforms. I like that the Astros look like a wild team of the future in their stadium They look like a flying saucer and these George Jetson uniforms they used to have. That version of the Astros never made it to the World Series. There would have been the National League Astros, not the American League Astros. The Astros were, to me, one of the quintessential National League teams playing that National League brand of baseball we saw throughout the 80s. And they would have had a shot to go to the World Series against the Kansas City Royals. Would they have beaten that Royals team? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But would have really have affected the Phillies. Because remember, at that point, in 1980, the Phillies had zero World Series championships. In fact, they had won one World Series game. They won game one of the 1915 World Series. And one of you got that trivia question right. It was won by Grover, Cleveland, Alexander. But they were the last of the original franchises to have never won a World Series. They won it in 1980 which took the uh, the pressure off of the Mike Schmitz and the Bake Mcbrides and the Greg Luzinski's and it made champions again you know it gave a second championship to the likes of Tug McGraw and Steve Carlton and Pete Rose but it was a huge monkey off of the back of the Philadelphia Phillies who you know, lost the the pennant in 64 in disastrous fashion they lost the 76 77 and 78 National league Championship Series. They lost three League Championship Series in a row. And if they had lost that one, they would have lost four in five years. They would have gone on to the 1980s with that pressure of, they can't win the big one, they can't win the big one. We may have waited all the way to 2008 for them to finally win a championship. And just imagine how that would have hung over their head. And we would have had J.R. Richards' full career. It's one of the great what-ifs in baseball history if he had survived. Beyond the fact that it probably, again, insert a Hall of Fame caliber starting pitcher into a playoff series that that was razor thin. I think it would shift the balance slightly back to the Astros who were one swing away twice, one base hit away twice in the same series. From winning the pennant even without J.R. Richard. But if he had survived, if he had, if his career had survived, he didn't have the stroke, and he pitched throughout the 80s and deep into the 1980s, he would have been a Hall of Famer. He absolutely would have been a Hall of Famer. And the one-two punch of J.R. Richard and Nolan Ryan would have been the single most intimidating one-two punch, and one we would not have seen. Again, until the combination of Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. What about Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, and John Smoltz? They were all great Hall of Fame pitchers, but they didn't have that sense of doom and dread. You know, Glavin and Maddox outthought you, and Richard and Ryan overpowered you. And maybe Astro fans. Wouldn't have to wait till twenty seventeen for that title. Maybe the desperation of a franchise to do all sorts of stuff to finally win may not have been there. Or who knows, maybe by then a championship would have led to other things in the for the Astros throughout the postseason in the nineteen eighties. And the idea of moving them out of the National League would have been absolutely absurd. But we'll never know, will we? We'll never know. And that's a what if. J.R. Richard died a few years ago, and he was the final name in that year's uh, In Memoriam video that I did. And he will always be beloved as a pitcher amongst Houston Astro fans. But the direction of his Hall of Fame career, the history of the Astros, and the Phillies all changed because of J.R. Richard's stroke. Uh, Before we wrap up, a quick reminder that the Locked On Podcast Network has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus the national shows like this one covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. And let's take a quick look at today's trivia question. Manuel Margot was included in the trade that's brought Tyler Glass now over to Los Angeles. Manuel Margot began his career in the Boston Red Sox organization, but he was traded away as a young prospect. Who was the all-star that the Red Sox acquired in the trade that sent Manuel Margot away from their organization? Who did the Red Sox get by trading away the prospect Manuel Margot? That is a trivia question. Put the answers down here on YouTube or on social media. Breaking down the fact that the Dodgers made a deal that I don't know if it solves all their problems, and that doesn't make me a hater. And remembering the great J.R. Richard and what could have been. This has been Locked On MLB. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.